What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. This is going to be a mostly basketball podcast today. I'm really excited for these conversations. So we're going to talk about the contract extension that was handed out to Paul George, an additional four years onto the contract. Uh, makes it now five years with the Clippers, well north of $200 million. Pretty surprising move considering Paul George was you know, potentially being a free agent uh, for 2021. And uh, obviously his, his subpar play during the postseason, I think it took people out of surprise that the Clippers would uh, make that kind of commitment to uh, PG. But he did say just last week that he wanted to retire a Clipper. So, um, so we'll talk about that contract extension. We'll also talk about... Uh, more news centered around James Harden, who's really kind of become the center of the league with his ongoing dispute with the Houston Rockets. He, he was out partying. He was chilling with a little baby. And we all know he had, had requested a trade to uh, the Brooklyn Nets or the, the Philadelphia 76ers. Now we're hearing that he has reported to the team. He now has six days he has to test non-positive or six tests he has to test non-positive in order to actually return to action. And that he also apparently is uh, expanding his list of preferred destinations to include some other Eastern Conference powers. So we'll talk about those destinations later. Kyrie Irving, uh, also not a not a, he also uses a lightning rod for for uh, for controversy. Not shy at all. Um, no, you could maybe consider what he did uh, last week uh, was rather shy, but definitely a, a major statement, and he was fine for it. So we'll talk about Kyrie's uh, latest antics and. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll talk about the ladies in college basketball because uh, it's getting very scary. I saw something crazy that, like, I don't know, it was like 80-something games have been uh, postponed or canceled for uh, uh, the, the schedule so far for Division One basketball. And uh, maybe the most influential voice in college basketball is, uh, is, is speaking out about what he thinks uh, should be discussed regarding the future of this sport, considering uh, how things are, are, uh, are shaking out right now. So... A lot to talk about on this show. Should be a good one. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, I know you, uh, we're talking basketball mostly on this podcast, but I would be remiss not to mention that um, we had a, a little bit of a about face by the Big Ten, who after all of the talk that they had at the beginning of the season, the rules they set, that meant that teams had to play six games to get into the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State, despite the fact that their uh, game against Michigan was postponed, meaning that they would not be able to get to a sixth game this season, will, in fact, be allowed to play in the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern. Kendall, there's some people will say this makes sense considering Ohio State is one of the premier you know, programs in the country, definitely uh, you know, one of the top teams in the Big Ten, definitely probably the top team in the Big Ten for sure. Uh, on the other hand, there's folks who, who say, you know, how can you change the rules in the middle of the season or really at the end of the season to, to fit one of your programs? So. What do you think of the uh, Ohio State situation we have now that they will indeed be allowed to play in a Big Ten championship game, which would be crucial to any chance they'd have at uh, making a playoff? So we know uh, conference championships will be yeah. very weighted in that situation. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, do I think they could have made the playoff without it? It would have been possible, but, it, it, you know, now you're kind of hoping that Alabama beats Florida and everything kind of stays where it is and then, that they would still be in that situation and that maybe, you know, Notre Dame beats Clemson. And so we keep the status quo for the most point. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, this is obviously huge for Ohio State. Um, I understood the Big Ten's initial rule about not having 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 played uh, six games and not having two of your games get postponed. 
it seemed unlikely when they announced it. I was like, wow. So I can't wait for Ohio State to only play five games or when he's team to only play five games. <laughs> and then right. over. You, you saw the way that the season started, how teams were having their, their games postponed. And they said that their games were not – there was no postponing games because the they started late. It was only going to be a, you know, a shutdown. It was only going to be a cancellation. Yeah, exactly. it was only going to be a cancellation. So when they said it was going to be a cancellation, that made you really th- – it made you think that, all right, this this these games – one of these teams is going to get screwed over. And so because of that, I, you know, you knew that where this was headed and it was not an ideal for the Big Ten. But the reason why normally I think I would have been upset about this. If you would have told me in let's if you, if you would have told me in November or whenever the season started, I, all the dates are, you know, overlap now, October, I guess it was when when the Big Ten season started that um that they were that they had that the Michigan game would get canceled, that they would still and they'd only play five games, but they'd still be in the Big Ten championship game. I probably would have been more upset. But the the reasoning was actually very valid, very plausible, which is why I have no problem with it, and I think no one should have a problem with it. And their logic was we're not doing this to help Ohio State. We're doing this because even if they played that last game against Michigan and lost, they would still have been the Big Ten champion. Right. So in reality, that game was inco- inconsequential, or the Big Ten East champion. So in reality, that game was inconsequential to the Big Ten championship picture. So with Big Ten division, East division picture. So ultimately, uh, I think that's a perfect reason. Um, had 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 it been two games that were canceled at the beginning of the season, and but yet they were playing, you know, they were playing great football, and it's like, oh, well, had we played those games, you can't do that because we don't know. You know how things would have shaken out, but because this game was essentially inconsequential, they already clinched. They, they already clinched their spot in the Big Ten Championship game. It would have been messed up to then say no because you didn't play that last game. When you already clinched the division, so yeah, I, I'm 100% fine with it. Um, yeah, I think when you know on, on the surface, when you hear you changing the rules to help a team, you know it it, um, it it doesn't look good. But I agree with you. I think when you when you take into consideration what played out and how Ohio State would have um, made it a conference championship regardless of that one game, it, it makes sense to allow them to be in. Now, if there was a situation where another team would have been in and they're taking them out because Ohio State, um, you know, didn't get to the certain amount of games, that would be obviously messed up. But um, I think they got a very convenient break as far as I'm concerned that that's how it shakes out because um, had that been a situation where there was a team with one loss that, you know, beat Ohio State or did not play Ohio State and, and therefore, you know, would, you know, have a chance to still make it and knock Ohio State out had they had that chance to play that game. The fact that that doesn't exist, I think you kind of have to uh, let it rock. So I, I'm cool with it. Um, it's, it's a convenient break. It's still good for college football that Ohio State gets to have a shot, I think, at least at, at trying to win the conference. Um, and, and then we'll see what happens in terms of the, the, the playoff. I still feel like for the playoffs committee, whether or not, even they, they even the fact that they got to a playoff, you know, excuse me, a championship game. I, and even if they win, I still think they have to consider all these games that have been postponed. I don't think it really changes all that much for them, except for the pageantry of they get a championship game to play in. But you know, that doesn't change the fact that they only have, would have played six games, five regular season games to get there. I think that's going to be a very tough thing for the committee to weigh uh, when you're comparing them to other uh, programs who have played much tougher schedules and, and played uh, way more games. So that's going to be a conversation that's certainly going to continue. Um, as Ohio State season as Ohio State season continues, but we're gonna uh, move on now to talk about uh, the the contract extension of Paul George. So this was again a big surprise to me. Paul George, six time All Star, 
signed a maximum contract extension with the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, it's four years, $190 million. So when you take those four years, 190 put that onto the $35 million that he's already getting, that comes out to five years, $226 million coming to Paul George for the next five seasons. He did have a player option uh, to become a free agent this upcoming uh, free agency, but he, he uh, he's allotted to to with forego that and instead sign long term with the um, with the with the Clippers. Uh, during his uh, news conference, he said that uh, the Clippers were quote sending the house to get me. Uh, he wanted to show that commitment because they did you know trade I think like three or four first round picks to get Paul George. He said quote I, I owe them a trophy. That's what I owe this organization. This is a window that we're trying to capture, and my commitment and my job is to try to bring a title here. So Paul George again, you know, he had said last week, a couple weeks ago, or recently that he wanted to, you know, play the rest of his year career with the Clippers. And um a lot of folks honestly really didn't believe him. <laughs> there were a lot of people. I saw I think Damon Lillard, uh, you know, he uh, he commented on one of the posts saying, you know, Al Capone. So basically saying he was capping. Uh yeah. Which is the funniest way to ever call somebody a capper is called an Al Capone. But anyway, uh so yeah, there was some surprise that um, that he would do this. You know, Paul George is, you know, talked about wanting to be in certain places in the past and you know requested trades, but here he did sign on to a massive deal. Kendall, I want to uh, introduce this in a way that I haven't we haven't done in the past, and maybe this will become a, a you know a series or a, or a segment on this show. But uh, let's make it very simple: is this good money or bad money going to Paul George? <laughs> Good money or bad money? Um, it's good money. It's good money, and I I I hesitate because on the surface the value of the player is not does not equate with the contract he was given. Um, for a normal franchise, I don't know if I would have given Paul George the amount of money that he he got in this contract, but. I also understand the situation that the Clippers are in, and it's a pretty dire one. We we, we outlined it. Plenty of people outlined it uh, in detail over the last you know couple of months since they got eliminated by Denver in the postseason. They gave up their entire draft capital for the next five six years to get Paul George, mm-hmm. and they knew getting Paul George would de- would then net them Kawhi Leonard and free agency. So. When they lost that game, when they lost that series against the Clippers or against the Nuggets, rather, it 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 accelerated the timeline, knowing that both Kawhi and PG were scheduled to be free agents next offseason, like you mentioned, and so it essentially gave them one year to prove that that they actually could compete for a championship. Because had they get bounced in the second round again this year, would Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have gone their separate ways, and the Clippers would have been left with nothing, and no Shea Alexander, no draft picks of note for the next half a decade Mm -hmm. and no way of really contending anytime soon. So, and they would have been the Brooklyn Nets of the Western conference had they, the the old Brooklyn Nets of the Western conference had they, um, had they lost those guys. So you had to, you had to give yourself some insurance and some level of, 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 of a, uh, again, just insurance that if, if, if Paul George or if Kawhi leaves even, you still have Paul George, which is a decent starting point, especially for a team in Los Angeles. Could you recruit another star? Um, you don't. You didn't get nothing back from trading all the assets they traded Gallo and uh, Shea and all those draft picks. So uh, you had to do it. I don't love the contract, but for that franchise, you had to do it. 
given they there is no really there's no alternative than the PG Kawhi era. Yeah, this is uh, this is this was hard. This was hard for me in terms of whether this is good money or bad money. Um, I'm gonna lean that it's bad money, but I I get why uh, I get why folks will will suggest you know why they think this could be you know good money. I think you you laid it out. You know they they gave up everything pretty much to get Paul George, and you know. By hook or crook, or for better or for worse, this is just this is the guy they hitched their wagon to, so they can't afford to to let him go and not get anything in return. I guess the reason why I'm gonna say it's bad money is because I think it I think it assumes that Paul George will be playing at a certain level for a good amount of time, to where even if you got in a situation where you could you had to move him, you still could. And I'm not totally convinced that, you know, Paul George, you know, eight year, you know, seasons age 30 to 35 is going to stay healthy enough and be good enough to warrant that money. So if they get in a position where the Clippers are have to rebuild or have to move them, you don't want to be where uh, the Rockets were with, with Russell uh, Westbrook, where you're essentially having to... Um, well, well, excuse me. Uh, where the the Wizards were with John Wall, really? Yeah, okay, that's even that's even better example. Yeah, where where you you actually have to give up value to to get anyone to take them. You know, that's what the Rocks were trying to do with Westbrook, um, but they couldn't even do that. So, so they had to take on a worse contract. They had to take on a worse contract just to get them. And you don't want to be the Clippers in that sense too. You I mean you don't want to have to take on something worse just to offload Paul George because Paul George. You know, say what you want about him. He has had some injury history over the last few seasons. You know, last Throughout season, not just yeah, yeah. I mean, every, pretty much since that leg injury, he's had injury issues. So while he might not have any, you know, debilitating thing that looks like it's going to be an issue from him moving forward, he just seems like a guy that's you know tough because he plays through a lot of these injuries, and I think he deserves way more credit for that than probably he gets. But still, is going to be dealing with a lot of things, and he's only getting older. So. That's where I look at the bad money. I think the Clippers, in one sense, I think they kind of, they might be a little cocky given what happened with Blake Griffin. I think they feel like, yo, we gave Blake Griffin ridiculous money. And we knew it was ridiculous when we gave it to him. But we we, we were able to trade him and not take anything crazy back and not gut our future. And in fact, we ended up becoming a better team in the years beyond that. You know, it just took only three, a couple of years before we ended up having this big free agent class. I think they feel like after what we got with Blake Griffin, yeah, it don't matter. We can keep, we got to keep Paul George. Just give him what he wants. Give him all the money he wants. We'll find a way to, uh, to, to, to move him if we have to, if the time comes. I just think, for me, I just think that might be a little bit of a risk considering his injury history. But, I mean, Blake had an injury history. and only took one team who was desperate enough, in the right position enough, to say, I want to get a guy who can help me take, make it make the playoffs them to take that plunge i just think for me i'm not i'm just not convinced that uh paul george will so stay healthy enough to to warrant that so look your concerns are 100 percent valid um mm-hmm. i totally agree that i don't know what his long-term future is what i will say is and i don't think that this is a great mindset but we you know some people you know joked that when when we saw the westbrook john wall trade happen the joke was wow so any tra- any contract 
is uh, it, it, no contract is untradeable. Yeah, exactly. Any contract is tradable if John Wall and Russell Westbrook got dealt like that. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, again, that's not a good way to think because, you know, that trade was not really great for either team. Um, they kind of just had to make it. Um, but the other thing is that could this be a Blake Griffin situation? Now, this franchise did it before. Paul George is a little bit more popular around the league, I think, than Blake Griffin and, you know, his agent, Aaron Mint. But, very- but definitely not as popular with the fan base. No, no, Paul George, not at all. Not as popular with the fan base. But I mean, like, in terms of if you were to, because remember, obviously, the Clippers signed Blake Griffin to a max deal, uh, one that at the time people were like, this is kind of nuts. Um, right. We, we knew Blake was going to be a free agent, but he had dealt with a lot of injuries. And the feeling was, are the Clippers going to let him walk for nothing? Or are they going to bring him back and give him a max deal? Uh, or are they going to let some other desperate team sign him to a max deal? And they signed him to that deal. And people were like, this is nuts. He, he's no way he's going to last five years. And they traded him <laughs> right before. They traded him basically immediately when his that moratorium was up during the season. The first time they could trade him, they traded him to Detroit for value. You know, or the Angel Russell situation. That was another one where people were like, they have to be signing Russell to his contract to trade him because he doesn't fit long term with the Splash Brothers. Could that be what this is? The, the Clippers giving themselves... A level of insurance that even if this PG thing doesn't work, which we know, probably, I won't say we know it doesn't, it won't work, but it's a good chance the Clippers aren't going to win the championship this year. It's, it's tough. It's tough to win a championship. They still could get something back for him in a trade in the near future, not necessarily or even this season. <laughs> you know yeah, that? No, yeah, I think I don't think I think that they are. I think that all options are on the table, but I think they felt like they. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, I think I was going to brought up that, you know, to me, if I was Clippers, I would try to trade, you know, for James Harden with someone like Paul George. And, oh, yeah, yeah, that was that was my idea. Yeah. Or was that your idea? I guess who, who was Yeah, that? I brought that up. I brought so, that up after the after the Clippers lost. I was like, man, this thing is bad. I would look at trade James Harden, trade for James Harden. But right. it seemed like it didn't make sense at the time for the Rockets to do. And it seemed, probably makes less sense right. for the for the Rockets to do now. And maybe maybe it does, but I think one of the issues that I think we, we went back and forth about was the the contract on Paul George. You know, like, whoever's taking him, you're not getting any kind of commitment from him, so why would anybody take him? But Right. So and on the flip side, you could argue, like, well, yeah, some people are like, man, that's a crazy commitment, but for a team that really needs the commitment from a, from a star player, maybe they feel like, oh, I'll, I'll take the plunge. Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah, like, does that I mean, make- I'm not going to say that I definitely – do not want the Knicks to do it. But for a team like the Knicks, who have cap space. CAA, the CAA Knicks. And as soon as I saw he was CAA, I was like, hmm. I, yeah. I, I You couldn't help but think. And, and you know, would a team like that at some point, maybe not this offseason, but next offseason or, or or two years from now, would they say, we got a lot of cap space, maybe the, south, the, the, maybe the free agent period isn't working out or it doesn't look like there's anyone out there and it looks like um, – the Clippers situation isn't looking good, and they want to change directions. Maybe you're a team that says, yo, I can inherit that money, and I'll take it. Like, the Knicks didn't think that West, West, Russell Westbrook was worth that kind of price, and I totally 100% agree. Um, I don't think Paul George would be either, but, I mean, that's a future situation. I got to see how it plays out. But that, that I think, is what they're looking at, is that, you know, Paul George, some of his biggest uh, impediment to being traded was the one year. Now that's gone. Right. So yes, the think, contract. Yes, the well, contract you, is absorbent. For a team that can't sign anybody, maybe that maybe that they'll they actually like that he's signed. What you touched on as a possibility is something we talked about. You said I think we talked about this off air, but the 
the idea, and we talked about it a little bit a long time ago, like when we talked about the Kawhi for Harden thing, is that you had brought up trading PG for Harden, and I was like, you can't get, you can't get James Harden. Yeah, that's PG yeah, exactly because you be because of that one year deal. And but I thought I would trade, I would trade Kawhi for Harden because he's just as likely to be PG, you know, and and so PG, but now. That PG is signed long term. I mean, yeah. At a, at, before it made no sense for the Rockets. Like, he's going to leave in a year. Why would I trade for a guy who's barely a superstar and is going to leave in a year? But right. I mean, if you're in the guy that's barely a superstar or is a you know an all a perennial All Star player, then then he signed long term. It gives you a starting point. It may not be the best starting point, but you're not from zero, and so it it makes them a possibility. I wouldn't say it's likely, but it makes them a possibility for James Harden. And we'll talk about the James Harden thing, uh, I guess now. <laughs> but um, they, but they're they're they could be in the mix, you know. If it won't be now, but it, it, during the season, if James Harden is still a Rocket, um, PG could be a centerpiece. Exactly. So, so, so that's so. I think that there are multiple ways they're looking at it, and I see the positive ways. I just think that the you know. I just think the downsides are just, to me, very obvious. Like, it's pretty much, you better hope that PG, you know, stays healthy, which I think is an underrated thing. Again, I keep saying that. I know a lot of people talking about, you know, the pandemic P jokes and how he played in postseason. And that's part of it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, his poor postseason play play for three or four postseasons in a row is an issue. That's not nothing. What did you think? We didn't even talk about it. But what did you think about his comments about Doc Rivers? So his comments about Doc Rivers came across, <laughs> they came across a little delusional to me. Um, a little. He, he's talking about, you know, well, first of all, he was talking about, you know, I never, I've never had, you know, last season I struggled, but I never had an off season where I, I just rehabbed. I always, I always had seasons where I usually trained really hard, and and this was the first off season where I, I I had to rehab, and that 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 helped that that set me back. Like, this guy didn't have a really serious leg injury that was career-threatening at one point that happened during the summer. Um, that that So he, he was saying a lot of weird stuff in that interview. He was talking about, I'm back to my MVP season. Uh, he's never won an MVP, so I don't know what he's talking about there. But the, the, the Doc, the, I mean, it's crazy stuff coming out of him. But the, the Doc Rivers aspect was him saying that he felt like Doc Rivers didn't use him correctly. He said that he felt like Doc was using him too much like how he's used Ray Allen, um, like hey, how he's used J.J. Redick, a lot of floppy action, a lot of pin-down action. Um, he felt that he 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 didn't get enough time on the ball. It, it's kind of nonsense. I mean, did they run a lot of floppy stuff with him and a lot of stuff like that? Yeah, they did. But his PNR usage was as high as it's ever, as ever been in the NBA yeah. under Doc Rivers. His catch-and-shoot rates were actually lower than it was when he averaged 28 points uh, and had that, well, I think he's talking about his MVP season. I, he didn't win the MVP. It wasn't even close, but that, I think, is the season he's talking about. He had more, um, he had less catch and shoots than even that season, where he was catching and shooting at a crazy rate. And I remember that's how they played him on that team. I thought he actually filled the role well. And his isolations now were much more lower. This was That was one of the biggest differences. And maybe... He's a basketball so expert. I mean, he's a super expert. He plays in the NBA. So I'm thinking maybe that's what he's trying to say. Because uh, I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. They're, I mean, using like they, Ray Allen, Roger Derek never get PNR usage. So right. to compare 
himself to them, I think, was misguided at best. I mean, it, did he use some of the stuff with him? Yes, he did, because Doc would say that. You know, he said that I wanted to dust off a lot of my Ray Allen sets for Paul. I think he could shoot that well. And he did, but that wasn't, he made it sound like that was all he was doing. That's not true. It's just, it's cap. It's complete cap. And the stuff about um, the, the situation with, you know, that we didn't make adjustments. And I don't know, man. You were shooting off the side of the backboard. Like, some things, I'm like, you were up <laughs> double yeah. digits every game in those three games you lost. Like, I don't want to hear about adjustments. You guys got outplayed. That's what it came down to. You guys played great enough to get a double-digit lead in every one of those games you guys were up in that 3-1 series. I don't want to hear, oh, we didn't make adjustments game to game. Every game you went into, you played great to start the game. So, yeah. so I don't know. It just, this, this team, like, you know, I, I, I wish Paul well. I know he's dealt, he said he dealt with a lot of uh, emotional and, and mental issues in the Orlando bubble. And, you know, I don't like to see any guy kind of get, you know, piled on the way I think the internet, you know, piled on Paul George. That the internet does that. They do that to whoever is the next guy to do the puncher back. I don't like to see that. Um, because P sounds seems like a good dude by all accounts. But I just I don't know if I would really ever want him being the leader of my team. Like not he he never carries himself to me like a leader. And I know you can say, well, Kawhi's a leader, but I think if Kawhi's your leader, you need another guy who's very vocal. I think we've had this conversation where, you know, when Dirk was leading the Mavericks, it was instrumental that they got Jason Terry and Jason Kidd as the vocal leaders in the locker room. Because Dirk isn't a Rob Robert guy. He's not a rally of troops Tyson guy. And, and Tyson Chandler, exactly. They had three. So having those guys really, really, really helped Dirk and Whiskey. I feel like Kawhi is kind of similar. Kawhi having um, uh, Kyle Lowry in Toronto was pivotal, I think, to them winning a championship. 100%. As far as a leadership in the locker room. Paul George, I think, is maybe the worst And having Tony fit. Parker and Tim Duncan. Right, exactly. Money. Yeah, I mean, he don't got to say nothing. We got those kind of guys in your locker room. He was the best player on the team on that last championship team, but he still wasn't the leader. Exactly. And to me, yeah. when I when I watch um, the way Paul George acts, like I, when, they, when I hear the stories of, oh, Paul George would say stuff and guys roll their eyes, it makes sense. Look, listen, yeah. to him, listen to him talk. He's talking about MVP seasons and never having to rehab. I'd roll my eyes, too, if he was talking. Like, I'm sorry. Steven Jackson, sometimes he's, look, you got the interview. Like, you're going to be cool. And I'm sure they know P. But, like, that the only, the, and I, I love that these guys are very candid with these, you know, athletes. Like, you know, LeBron yeah, talking about Kyrie. And I he probably yeah, wouldn't have said. Sorry, what were you saying? No, I was say those guys were in an awkward, awkward position because you know this guy. Right. I'm sure they knew to an extent. They probably knew. Oh, come on now, but you can't. You can't be the guy that's like, nah. I know, but like, but like, I don't know. That's one of the detriments to like these athletes only feeling comfortable talking to like other athletes right now. And you know, as, we as a media group, we gotta think of how, like, you know, what are we doing wrong? Because clearly, there's a, a definite mistrust. I guess we'll talk about that later with Kyrie. But like, I, you can't have this guy just saying nonsense and you not challenge him at all. Like, it's one of the reasons why Kyrie needs to show up <laughs> to a media day. Like, you might, because PG might as well put that in a statement. Because he's saying things, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, MVP season. Yeah, that's true. I'm like, what are you? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it was, it's a little, 
you know, so so I don't know. That that was my take on the comments he had. I'm happy he got his money. Um, I think he's having a kid. I want to say. I know that. I think, uh, I think he's getting, or he's married. getting married. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's getting married. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's getting married. So shout out to him. So it looks like you know he's had a really great summer after it was a really or a great fall after it was a, was a miserable summer with what happened in Orlando. And I hope he ends up having a good season. You know, I, again, I, he seems like a good guy, and I root for P. But, again, I, I watch him talk, and I'm like, man, that is not the kind of guy. Like, he, I, think, I think he made sense next to Russell Westbrook. I don't think he makes sense at all next to Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, no, I, I mean, hearing that stuff, in the stuff that we've heard from the Clippers, I don't think his team's ever won a championship. Wow. I know that may sound, that may sound explosive, but... I, I I mean I know the Ty Lue thing maybe helps, but man, Doc Rivers said, "Man, Ty Lue was sitting right next to me when I was growing up them plays." <laughs> what are you, what are you that's talking what about? I'm saying, man. I, and that's what I that's what I said about this whole thing is that this guy was there. I know I know he wasn't the head coach, but if anything, he was supposed to help them. And he, did he not do anything because they had those same issues? I mean, look, they will. They, they I don't think the Clippers will win a championship with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, their two best players. Can they, not, can they make a move? They can make a move, but right. not with the. Paul say? George, does he not strike you sometimes as the guy who is just trying to say the right thing? Yeah, he wants. He says the thing that he thinks people want to hear. Right, right. and that's you I know? think why he comes across. I said delusional, but I think some of it also there's a little insincerity too. Yeah, he just makes excuses for a lot of things. Right, and it's yeah. like. He doesn't want to. He kind of wants to deflect a little bit, and it's like, it, it, just admit you didn't. You didn't play well. Don't don't play. Yeah, I just yeah. I can't. I mean, if, if, Austin, right? You the rehab. If, if mean, Kawhi Leonard wants to say we didn't make adjustments and stuff, that's different. He didn't play great in game. He had a bad game seven. He played good in those other games, but um, he had a very poor game seven, and, and it was the reason why they got bounced. But he has a championship to his pedigree. You know what I'm saying? So he can say, yo, I've been in championship coaches. I have won multiple finals MVPs. Like, we didn't we didn't do certain things. I may I may still say, hey, you stuck it up in game seven. But there's still a little bit of cash to it. I just. Yeah, he gets the benefit of that. Right. Hearing that from P, again, when I'm seeing him shoot off the side of the backboard and have another miserable postseason after three bad postseasons before this one. Like, I. I, I that made me roll my eyes. The one thing you didn't mention was when you started talking about chemistry. And I don't even know if that was him. I think it might have been Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes might brought up that fact they didn't have chemistry. But, like, he was, like, nodding his head and green. Like, yeah, man. I mean, the chemistry was all Yeah, I was about, like, oh, like, I, I love Stack and and, 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 and the Athletic that said that the guys on that team hated the fact that PG and Kawhi, you know, were canceling practices or not showing up to practices. Yeah, late to practices. Or, you know, showing up late because the games and practices because, you know, Kawhi lives in San Diego and, you know, they didn't want to do the post-game press conferences. So they let the other guys go out first and then they would go out afterwards. Like there was so many things wrong with that team right. chemistry. A lot of it pointed to Kawhi and PG. So then how, again, how, how, how's he going to sit up there and be like, not take onus of that? I'm not right. saying he should be like, yeah, I was a bad teammate, but say, you know what? There are actually things I could have done better. And you know what? I have to take onus for that. Yeah, I mean, but no, it's, it, look, I don't know. I don't know what's true and what's not. I wasn't in that locker right. room. You know, was Montrezl a clown? Maybe, possibly, but I, I don't know what the deal was. 
they seem to be like they kind of there's some stuff that maybe Montrezl Harrell was doing with the problem. I don't know, but regardless, we'll sign out this season. The ball is going to be tipped in in short order, so we'll know whether or not this team is matured or not. But I, again, I don't trust the team with these two guys as a star player. I understand it, no, and I it's know. mostly it's not Kawhi is a great player. I just don't know if, like you said, he can be a the best player when he's flanked by PG and win a championship. Yeah, no, I, I I understand it. I I agree with that sentiment. So good luck, <laughs> good luck to the uh, to the, to the L.A. Clippers uh, having given all this money to Paul George. Good luck to PG. Hope he, he has a great season. That he he reached down his pocket and was like, "All right, here's a new contract." Yeah, and, and another thing too, you know, <laughs> last thing on this is you know they also you know Kawhi Leonard's a free agent and uh, at least he can be, and we don't know what. His plans are like I don't think anyone does. No one ever knows, really. And it's scary to live. They have, yeah. And I think that they they also understand that they're trying to build a new arena in Inglewood, and they're gonna need someone to pitch to the fans. I would argue is a thirty three year old Paul George the guy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so, but they need something. So. Uh, and without Ka- Kawhi, you know, Kawhi in the fold, or maybe Paul George is the guy that gets you the guy. You know, again, he could be a trade piece. That, either way, you couldn't afford to lose both of them potentially, and then be like, "I'm building a new stadium with no attraction." Like you know, yeah, that, that, Luke Right, exactly. That's that's the that's a doomsday scenario that he doesn't want to play out. So I think once you know they got word that P was comfortable signing that kind of deal, then they just they just went all in. So we'll see how that whole situation shakes out. I think they wanted the more. Interesting situations in the NBA this season. Another interesting situation involved Houston Rockets. And we learned this uh, today. Uh, we recorded this podcast on Thursday night from Shams Rania that uh, James Harden has now uh, added the uh, Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat to his list of preferred trade destinations alongside the Philadelphia Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Harden has been uh, really in a weird position with the, the Houston Rockets he hasn't really spoken to the team. He didn't report to training camp on time. There's videos of him out partying in Las Vegas. No social distancing uh, with uh, the little baby. Little baby, not the little baby, the rapper. EJ, um, you date yourself. <laughs> and I know little baby. I know sometimes I, I joke that I don't know some of these young guys. But I know little baby, but I don't know why I said the. But he was partying little baby. He was in Atlanta. He was in Las Vegas. He was everywhere, but... Uh, Houston, where he was supposed to be working out for training camp, is kind of left Silas, uh, uh, Stephen Silas, in a weird position. You know, he's asking, you know, what's going on, asking him what's going on. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and um, James Harden, you know, pulling all, all the stops, I think, to really get himself moved. But you know, we learned also from Shams this week that the Rockets are not interested in a net deal that doesn't include Kyrie Irving and, uh, or rather, uh, Kevin Durant. We also so, learned from Shams that water is wet. Yeah, I mean, we learned from Shannon that, you know, the Rockets, you know, Raphael Stone is a smart man. Because um, <laughs> to me, it, to take a deal that centered around Karis LeVert for the best scorer in the NBA is insane. And um, they knew that. So now this is where we are. And that's where James Harden now expanding lists of teams. So given these new teams, kind of the, the Bucks and the Heat, how do you think this uh, re, or reshapes the, the landscape regarding the James Harden sweepstakes? So the word right now from some people out there that the Miami Heat have no interest in moving Tyler Hero. 
in a in a James Harden trade. Um, I don't know if I buy that, but if that's true, then they're not going to get James Harden. So, uh, I mean, that's what it comes down to, you know, because their 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 offer is not going to be as good as the Brooklyn offer. I don't know what is it going to be Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn. I mean, that's that's not as good as Brooklyn's offer. So, which is unfortunate because that's that seems like it's a pretty easy offer to match, and the Heat have the assets, but Tyler Hero is untouchable, apparently. So, um, if let's assume Hero is involved, because that's what it would take. Then I would say the the Heat and the Bucks, while they don't have as good of a package as Philly potentially, that if it revolves around Ben Simmons, they have a better. Both of them have better packages than uh, Brooklyn. That that's fairly easy. So, and you know, for assuming Milwaukee is trading Chris Middleton, um, look, I mean, Chris Middleton is an All Star player. Uh, I wouldn't want a Milwaukee package. Um, because while I like Middleton, I don't know if he's better without Giannis without when he's not playing next to Giannis. So I would have concerns about Art right, and bringing Middleton, who may still be an All Star level player, but am I now becoming the Milwaukee Bucks that had Michael Red as their best player? Where it's like, all right, I've got a good, very you know, a very good shooting guard, very good wing shooter scorer, but or am I the you know am I the Washington Wizards with? Bradley Beal, you know, like, are we actually winning any games? So that would be my concern. Now, sometimes you don't want to start from zero. Even if they are bad, that's actually not a bad thing because now you get a draft pick. You get the draft pick with Chris Middleton. Um, they also, they, they still have a stockpile of assets that they've gotten through all these trades. So maybe now you feel like you're cooking with gas a little bit. I don't know. But um, I would, if I were them, you know, I would, I, I'm thinking I would look at that Miami Heat package. But even the Heat package, we're talking Duncan Robinson, Hero and nothing. I feel like it's still probably not equal value to. It's not, not enough for me. Yeah, it's not enough. It still feels like it. Even if you're throwing in precious, like that's precious Achua, that's still not a great package. You know, I feel like if you're trading Harden, you should be getting a surefire All Star caliber. All Star's got to come back. Player prospect and yeah. Hero. I, you know, I think that's where, you know, there's a that's, disconnect. That's, exactly. Yeah, that's going to be the, that's love, the conversation. Right. And you know how much I love Tyler Hero. EJ. I, yeah. was, I was a big, I mean, not anymore, unfortunately, because he, he nuked my Celtics in the in the bubble. But <laughs> coming into last season, he might have been my favorite prospect in the draft. Yeah. And, you know, but with that being said, I do think we have to recalibrate our expectations and our, uh, uh you know, value of Tyler Hero. I mean, ESPN came out with their rankings this this, this week. That had Tyler Hero as a top sixty player in the league. I think he was fifty six. I, I think that was a little high, me personally. Um, you know, I think there there are people out there. I mean, NBA two K. You know, if you play NBA two K and you see the ratings, he's an eighty three. And for people to understand what that means, that's to me, I thought that was a little high. Um, I don't know if he should be the centerpiece, the only real centerpiece of a trade for a guy like James Harden right now. I think it's a risk because I don't know if he's an. I think he could make an All Star game in his career. I don't know if it's a guarantee. And I could sound crazy saying that. And then we look f- forward four years and he's like Devin Booker, where he's going to be a perennial all-star. That seems to be his goal. But, you know, I don't know if his career is going to be more, is it going to be Devin Booker or is it going to be like, you know, Mike Miller or somebody where he's a very good, very good player, but not, not an all-star, you know? So that's, and look, I mean, maybe the Rockets want to take that risk. Because, I mean, you could trade for Michael Porter Jr., but it's the same risk as trading for Tyler Hero. You could trade for 
um, I don't know, Marvin Bagley, but same risk as trading for Tyler Hero, you know, but right. trading, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Yeah, uh, I mean. Wait, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that, you know, the Hero thing is really where this lies. You know, first of all, I agree. It's the Heat. That's to me, that's posturing. You know, that's them getting the word out, you know, because they don't know how serious this hardening is going to be. And um, they don't want to, you know, get their guy, you know, that they, they need. They, yeah, they're going to need him for this season. You know, they don't want him coming in thinking that he's going to be on, he's on the trading block now. So I think that was actually probably smart to just put that out there, not waiting trading him. Even though if they decide to make that move, he's definitely going to be gone. There's no question about that. Um, yeah, I do think it, it relies on what you think of Hero and his big long-term expectations as a, as a player in this league. I mean, I think that he's certainly flashed all-star potential in the playoffs for sure. I mean, to me, there's no denying that him as a scorer and as a, as a ball handler. I mean, he was tremendous and you consider his age, he looks like a guy that, you know, could be an all-star. I don't think he's guaranteed. I don't think he's, you know, Luca. I don't think he's Zion Williamson. You know, some guys you see rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Some guys you see rookie year, you know, yeah. Yeah. Which, is, which is still a guy who, who looks like he could end up being could. a great player. Right. Yeah. But it's still still some jury out. So if I'm Miami, I mean, excuse me, I'm, if I'm Houston, I don't know if him being the centerpiece of a package is enough to me. Again, I'm, I, I feel like with NBA team, like, you know, we all want trades. Trades are fun. They're exciting. We want to see guys change teams. So I feel like sometimes, like, especially for the team that has, you know, a valuable player, like, you know, we want to just give him away and nothing come back in return. Oh, that makes sense. And it's like, I mean, do you guys understand who James Harden is? I know he gets a lot of flack for um, the way he plays. Sometimes the defense isn't great. I thought last year he did a pretty good job defensively. The flopping. And flopping. The yeah, the antics off the court. You know, sometimes, you know, I think sometimes we get lost into that and think, oh, you know, yeah, you can just give, give him away with a bag of peanuts. Nobody really wants him. And I'm like, this guy averaged 34 points a game last year, <laughs> along with seven assists. Shooting yeah. at a pretty good clip, 44%. I mean, he was shooting 44% the last five, six years and averaging 30-plus. So, I mean, this this is an incredible scorer you're talking about. So, if we're talking about a guy with that ability, I'm not – I mean, look, you're trading a star like that. It's very, very hard to get equal value. I'm not saying you're going to get equal value. But I'm not – you can't trade him for a guy that's – you don't say, say yep, that's definitely going to be an all-star. I mean, that's to me – that's just – the Pelicans Element, like, that's elementary. Four pick in the draft in Brandon Ingram and a bunch of other first round picks for Anthony Davis, who had one year. I mean, obviously with the Lakers, they weren't worried about the contract, but still, one year left. How mm-hmm. could Harden, who had two years left on the deal, not net you like someone better what? than Brandon Ingram? Yeah, you know, I mean, who yeah, was you know before Bra- before Brandon had the All Star year? Yeah, before he had the All Star, but then. Not only that, but then again, they got the number four pick in the draft of a draft that was fairly decent, and they then they then did whatever they did with it, and it becoming at Jackson Hayes and the Alexander Walker. But still, like you know, you have to get you have to get massive value for that kind of player. And if it means having to be patient, then you have to be patient. There is nobody. There is no rule saying they have to trade him before the season. There is no rule saying they have to trade him even before the trade deadline. Um, they have plenty of time if they really need to trade James Harden. Plenty of t- time for teams to get desperate. Plenty of time for new teams to emerge and maybe feel like playoff teams. Um, that's why I don't think he's going to get traded before the season starts. Um, that's why I, I don't think so either. Because there's no team that makes sense. I mean, Philly is the one team, but I really think Philly wants to see what they have before they make any trade. I agree with that. You know, if if they start out 
if they sputter even a little bit, Simmons... Ben Simmons is gone. Yeah, yeah probably Simmons. But he, I think he could be Embiid. But probably Simmons is, is, is out. Yeah. And, you know, so that's something to keep an eye on. And I think they know... I think, and if they probably told Raphael Stone, we know Daryl Moore has an excellent relationship, I would assume, with Raphael Stone. They work together in Houston. I'm sure he may have told him, just be patient. You know, like, if this thing doesn't work out, you you could have Ben Simmons. So unless you feel like you have a better offer than Ben Simmons on the table, then be patient. So And the Milwaukee thing is interesting. I mean, I know you like the Milwaukee offer better than me, from what I can tell you. Yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, you got to get an all-star caliber player back. And I think that Chris Middleton is an all-star caliber player. And I actually feel like, you know, we saw how he played in, I don't want to say it knows one game. But we saw in that game four, no Giannis, people think they're going to get swept. And and we saw him, you know, light it up. Yeah, he was cool. Yeah, and I think he's an underrated player. You know, I think think if he went to a team like the Rockets, he'd average like 23. Like, that's, that's how I feel. Now, how many games would they win? Yeah, but I say I was like, so what's Michael Red's career high? In, uh, I know, but I mean, now we got to talk about how the, who's on the who's the rest of the team, who exactly is how they filling out the rest of the roster, where's John Wall at? You know, that now we get into other questions that I can't really answer definitively. Do I think that if they got Chris Middleton back and Divincenzo, is there anyone else of value in that See, team? They, they they really screwed themselves by doing that Drew Holiday trade as early as they did because. Had they had those same assets that they gave up for Holiday, and they added Middleton and DiVincenzo, now I mean that's a much better offer than the Brooklyn offer. No, there's no conversation. Because I mean, is there any chance they could trade Holiday and and uh, Homeboy? Well, that's what I thought Middleton. about as well. Um, and then you take back Eric Gordon. I'm sure that money would kind of work, right? Um, yeah, it might. Yeah, my question would be. I mean, you know. I mean, I mean, if you got Milton and Holiday, I mean, yeah, I mean what's, no what's, young what's, players, what's, but I mean, you're you're going to be a good team. What's the direction of the franchise? I mean, are we, are we trying to are we trying to you know be the six seed in the West? I mean, you're are the you know, to, yeah, you're the, you're the, like the Thunder were last year. Yeah, but minus, hey, that's what's minus any okay. young players that you can be excited about. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which isn't that great, yeah, okay. but it is what it is. Kenyon Martin Jr. is our 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 Dort or our Shea. I mean, I don't know what's happening. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that, that actually makes for a pretty decent team. But my my concern is what is the overall goal of the franchise? And if the overall goal of the franchise, which I think it should be, is you know secure a talent that makes us you know one exciting to watch next season. Um, or a talent that could make us exciting to watch in the near future and in the long term. And to me, I mean, Middleton's great, but I mean, he's, first of all, he's not the most exciting player in the league. No, um, and, and then the rest of it is it's a bunch of guys that make them actually probably, like you said, a solid basketball team, especially if Wall and Cousins are good, uh, but not anybody that has a chance to win a championship, and certainly, and not a team that. Um, long term, he has any value. So I don't know. I mean, again, I mentioned remember Makita just bought this team for a pretty penny. I mean, he don't want to tank the value by not having anything on his roster that's worth anything. Well, look, I mean, it's only one season. You know, it's only one season, and this is a, this is the if there's any season to be bad, it's this season. 
with the pandemic and there not being any fans uh, early on, you don't really have to worry about box office. Um, True. So if you're the Rockets, if you may say to yourself, look, just hold off a year. Let's be bad. Um, and we have a great draft coming up. So even if we don't get the number one pick, because there's a lot of competition for the number one pick, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference, even having a top five pick uh, should be very exciting. And we still have the assets that we would that we will collect from James Harden either now or later. Um, what do you think? I, how do you think this? How, how you, what? Sorry, what were you Well, I was going to say I mentioned to you off air, but I think Sacramento is is a dark horse in all of this. Yeah. Um, I think the Clippers are a dark horse too, which I mentioned. But I think Sacramento is a dark horse because you have the you have the connection with Monty McNair, who obviously another Daryl Morris uh, uh, disciple who's now running Sacramento. And they're a team that, you know, whenever you're talking about trading these types of superstars, we saw it with Minnesota when they went and made their move for Jimmy Butler. Um, Whenever you have a franchise that hasn't won anything in years, they're a little more desperate and a little more willing to kind of mortgage the future. And when Minnesota traded Zach Levine and Lowry Marketing for Jimmy Butler, that was certainly them mortgaging the future in a way that wasn't uh, probably wasn't smart. When Philly traded, uh, what did they even trade for Jimmy Butler? I don't even remember. It's been it's been so long. Um, um, Covington and yeah. and Sarge. Uh, yeah, Covington and Sarge and you know the cast base, whatever they gave up. Um, that was probably them working in the future in a way that didn't work. But so sometimes it doesn't work. But you know both of those franchises hadn't won anything pretty much ever, and you know at least in a long time. And Minnesota hadn't won anything in a long time, certainly. And Sacramento's in that position now. They're the longest. They have the longest streak of not making the playoffs. And they may say to themselves, Vivek, being an owner, has never won anything in his career. I want to start winning. I want to start winning games now. And there's a superstar who has two years locked up. Let's go get him. They have the assets. They have a, a GM who's worked closely with James Harden before. Um, and. Again, when you have a team that has De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Marvin Bagley, some combination of those guys could net you James Harden. And it'd be better than whatever Brooklyn's got. If I'm Houston, I would want De'Aaron Fox. And then I'd be good. I'd probably want a little bit more. Maybe Fox and... I mean, I don't even know if you you can get Fox and Buddy. But, you know, Fox and draft picks from Sacramento, assuming Sacramento is bad, which they probably will be at some point. The question would just be, if you're Sacramento, why are you mortgaging the future to get a player like James Harden? To me, I think it anybody that is afraid to trade De'Aaron Fox because Harden may leave is operating under the assumption that De'Aaron Fox is going to be a top-tier point guard long-term. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a fact. I don't know if that's a given. You know, he's kind of to me, he's still in that Tyler Hero mode mold where he's a very good prospect. He's a very good point guard now. But is he John Wall? Is he Derrick Rose? Is he that, you know, top five point guard in the league type of player, or is he Drew Holiday? And that's the that's the question you have. Because if he's Drew Holiday, then I can find that. I may have that entire Talbert. So I'm not, I wouldn't tweak if I lost De'Aaron Fox. He's a native. 
who certainly could be that kind of guy. And if I'm Houston, I'll take my chances with De'Aaron Fox. He's a great prospect. But and maybe I'm contradicting myself by saying I would take Fox, but I wouldn't take Hero. I like Fox a little bit better than Tyler Hero. He's proven himself more consistently, even though he's been hurt. I, I don't think you are. I mean, Fox is better than Tyler Hero. Yeah, he's a better player now. In terms of long-term upside, um, I would say Fox is a little more, but, you know, they both have question marks. Um, they're both not. I, I think the, I think one of the things is, you know, sometimes, like, our expectations for players rises based on the situations they're in. So Hero, being in Miami, is viewed as some guy with great value down the line, which he, he does. But seeing him in the finals, he's got more great. He's got greater visibility. He's played in big games, and to be fair, when you play big and big games, that suggests that you're going to be really good. You know, Fox, you know, is a better player than Hero. On he just he just is. But by playing any, on a any yeah, I mean, yeah, he's better. I mean, everybody who knows basketball knows he's better. But he's playing on a bad team, no visibility. The future doesn't look bright. So right now, like it's yeah, like you know, they're, 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 yeah, a little bit injury, but now the things like oh, well, he's got to be the man, and it's like is he the man? I don't know. I don't that Harold doesn't have to be the man, you know. So yeah. so that like the it's not excuse how we view these guys in a vacuum, but in a vacuum, if I could have De'Aaron Fox or Tyler Hero, if I'm the Rockets, I'd way much rather have De'Aaron exactly. Fox. So to me, I'm if I'm Raphael Stone, I'm calling Sacramento because I don't think Sacramento would would seek out James Harden. But I told, but if I put them on the table, if I put him on the table, the Sacramento will bite, and maybe they wouldn't. But you know, they probably kind of offer say, "You want Mar- how do you like Marvin Bagley?" Which I would be a little right. bit more, a little more trepidatious about you know trading James Harden for Marvin Bagley, even though I do like Bagley as well. Um, but if I'm Sacramento, I would consider bringing in James Harden again. And if I'm if I'm considering that, that is me saying that I'm not thrilled with Aaron Fox. They would know better than me. If they are thrilled with Aaron Fox and they think that he is a future superstar point guard, then you cannot trade him. Just like Memphis wouldn't trade John Morant or Atlanta wouldn't trade uh, Trey Young, which I know, yeah, didn't you bring up the possibility of a Trey Young? Right. We talked about that. We talked about that off air. I mean, to me, if I'm uh, Houston, I'm calling Atlanta. Because I think what you're, what you're illustrating is what I told you off air and what I'm going to repeat on this podcast. People can say, oh, we don't need James Harden. We don't need James Harden. And I will say, I think that, you know, Miami to me is the only team I think that actually should hang up the phone when he comes to James Harden. I don't think it's a good fit from a culture standpoint, from a player skill set standpoint. I just don't think they need him. I'll be honest. But they're like maybe the only team besides Lakers that would say you hang up the phone they call you by James Harden. But like, we, we kind of underestimate, like, if someone calls your team and says, I'm giving you James Harden for two years. He averaged 34 points a game last year, 36 the <laughs> season before. He's the best scorer in the NBA. Like, it, you're telling me I got to hold on to Tyler Hero. I got to hold on to Darren Fox. It's like, really? Like, I get there's some risk involved, given the two, it's only two years, but it's two years. Yeah. You really you got, two, you got two years to get your act together. I mean, you could put together yeah. a great team, in theory. Like, I'm not yeah. saying, oh, like, you know, Jay Harden, you make no more moves. Like, I got. I'm giving you a superstar player, bona fide, no question, yeah. superstar. And the Atlanta Hawks' core is probably better than what the Rockets have now. Like if yes. you traded, if you like, if you just straight up traded Trey Young for James Harden, I think James Harden would rather play with Cam Reddish and Big O and Capella and Herder and those guys than he would the guys he has now. I agree. Some of them old. Some of them, you know, not we much talent. You mentioned Bogdanovich. You got Gallo. 
Yeah, they just got Bogdanovich and Gallo, who I totally forgot about. Um, DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter, who was a top five pick last year. I mean, that team has talent. You may not be able to keep some, all some those guys. Will, some of those guys will, would be moved probably in the deal, yeah, you but but you, you but you'd have a, a good you'd have enough of them to really do something in the Eastern Conference. Trey Young. If I'm giving you Trey Young, now I'm not giving you the rest of my guys. I'm giving you yeah. maybe whatever matches salary. But this is going to be mostly a one for one trade. Yes, exactly. Because no other team, again, mate, besides Philly, has that kind of all-star young player piece that you'd be getting. Right. Philly would be that team, but Philly seems hesitant. Just like Atlanta probably would be hesitant. But mm-hmm. Atlanta is another team similar to Sacramento. Hasn't won anything in, it feels like, a decade because the Horford era was so long ago, it feels like. It was only five years. But hasn't won anything in a long time. Um, and Harden, when you talk about culture fit, would fit the Atlanta market probably even better than he would the Miami market. Yeah. So I would, I mean, he, obviously he would be, that is a place where I think, you know, you talk about Sacramento and you're like, yeah, Harden would never stay there past two years, which I would, I would probably agree with, which is yeah. why it probably is a no deal. Atlanta, I really think they could resign. They'd have him. a, they'd have a great chance to resign him. I think. They have a great chance. I think if they, if the they future, could put together a winner, those guys and the, the Atlanta hip hop scene would embrace Harden even more than they they've embraced Trey Young, which has been a ton. So. Yeah. I think they would have a chance. I mean, is Lil Baby, is he from Atlanta? I could be wrong about that, but I think he's from Atlanta. I believe um, he is. I mean, they were partying in Atlanta. Yeah, he's from Atlanta. Yeah, Lil Baby's from Atlanta. He, he's just with the guy. So, I mean, like, he, he's already embraced by those guys. So, he would 100% fit that culture in that market. Um, he'd be an even more exciting player, superstar, than uh, Trey Young is. Uh, I wouldn't call Trey Young a superstar, but he'd be a you know, more exciting player than Trey Young is. And, again, they have the assets where it could be similar to a LeBron situation where he goes there and you're like, oh, they have a lot of young players around Harden. But then they package those young players for the next superstar. And now you have a super, a super team. You know? Like, yeah. if, I don't know, Carl Anthony Towns or somebody else becomes available in a couple of years or later this year, now you move Reddish and those other guys that maybe you kept around Harden to get that guy. And now entice Harden to stay long term. I mean, this is something that I think Atlanta has to talk about as well. Now, again, they're not going to talk about it. They may be talking about it internally. They're not going to pick up the phone and call Houston. But if Raphael Stone calls you, calls, you know, Schlank and says, here is James Harden. We're interested in Trey Young. Again, you may say to yourself, I don't want James Harden. But when the offer is on the table, you are you really saying no to one of the five best scorers we've had in the last 50 years? I I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's that's a again. I think these teams that they really push, it's gonna be tough to say no. I, this James Harden thing, I think, is gonna be very unpredictable. I, I can't even tell you where I think he's gonna land. Cause I think there are the teams that are being talked about, and I definitely think one of these teams to make the aggressive plunge that it's gonna be needed to get him at some point. I also feel like he could be someone nobody's talking about, especially when you talk about two years of uh, talk about two years of um. Of uh, of him being signed, really leaves everything. Does San Antonio have the have the have the the capital? Real quick, they're no different than Brooklyn, really. The only difference is that, like, you know, Brooklyn. We're talking about their ancillary pieces. Like San Antonio would probably have to trade like their 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 top guys. But I just wonder who are their top guys. Murray, you just drafted Devin Vassell or Vassell. Um, Walker. 
got Lonnie Walker. A lot of them play the same position, unfortunately. Kelvin Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Kelvin <laughs> Johnson looked pretty good. They don't, three got, they, they don't got enough. I'm getting, I'm getting four. I'm getting four guys every six five. And, and I gotta take it. I gotta take DeRozan. So no. Yeah. So yeah ESPN, they, ESPN, ESPN just it. put respect on DeRozan's name. They didn't listen to the top one hundred. Yeah, I mean that's nonsense. Well, I, I I didn't I didn't read the list because no, I didn't waste my time on it either. Yeah. Why waste your time? But I you hear the stuff about Zion being sixteen, and wherever he is, eighteen, wherever he is. I mean that's. Yo, DeMar DeRozan shot fifty three percent from the field last year. They had KCP over. Added 22 points. Hey, come on now. They had KCP and P.J. Tucker over DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> I mean, EJ, you know my theory, my basketball theory, that role players on good teams are the most overrated asset in NBA. In the NBA. It, 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 it boggles my mind how people think that KCP all of a sudden is some great piece, some super valuable piece in the league. No. Anybody can look good playing next to LeBron James. That's what that means. It means any player in the league. If KCP, who's <laughs> before LeBron got there, was as bad of a player in the league as we had, can now look very good next to LeBron, it means anybody can. So and look, look, shout out to KCP. I'm gonna be nice to him. He 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 played great. He balled out. He balled he out. Great. He earned the money he got this season. He's so not credit, the worst in the league. That's what he proved. Right. He's not credit where credit is due. He's, he, I mean, Danny Green couldn't do what he did. So <laughs> so I won't say anybody couldn't do it, but. Right. <laughs> he he is KCP and he has a track record. To suggest that a player he, of the, ten, DeMar DeRozan's a, caliber isn't better than him is crazy. He, he might be a top one fifty player in the league. He is not better than DeMar DeRozan. With DeMar I am way more impressed with DeMar DeRozan with averaging whatever you have with twenty three or whatever you averaged last year. Twenty two points a game on fifty three percent from the field. On excellent on excellent. Yeah, he had one of the best seasons of his career. One hundred percent. And now we're we're docking him? Because, look, is his game a little prehistoric? 100%. But that doesn't make him a worse player than P.J. Tucker. Come on. P.J. <laughs> Tucker? I mean, but, you know, I don't, again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, the, the worldwide leader, they are who they are. Shout out to them. But, you know. Yeah, we're giving them too much airtime right now. I know. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that. I thought the Zion unfor- I think, unfortunately. Bad. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm not as, I'm not as. I'm not gonna go that, nuts with the Zion thing because I mean it's a projection and he was playing great when he played looked, besides the bubble. When he looked the way he looked in the preseason of last year, which I know is like what does that what does that mean? Guys play great in the summer league all the time. But in the preseason playing as NBA opponents, he was one of the five best players in the league last year. It was only a four game stretch or whatever it was, but he was that Yo, the regular season he looked like a top twenty right? guy. And yeah, and then he was hurt. And then he came back in the regular season and was basically that same guy yeah. for a period of time and was one of the 15, 20 best players in the NBA. And then the bubble happened and he had injuries during the season and, he, you know, the bubble happened and he was awful. It was what it was. But right. if he's that guy that we saw during the season or during the preseason, then, yes, he could be better than Trey Young. Yeah. Could, I, yeah. That, and he could be better than Carl Anthony Towns. Like, yeah. So that I'm not as crazy about. I just, unfortunately, I think what, the only reason why I think people get – riled up about the ESPN list and other lists of the sort is, you know, they they shouldn't, but they do have some authority over how people think of the game. And I think that's kind of why it's kind of, I roll my eyes when I hear about, like, a P.J. Tucker. And I really don't mean to disrespect P.J. Tucker. Because, one, he's a very tough man that I don't want any smoke with. Number two, um, you know, P.J. Tucker has, like, a crossover with, like, the shoe thing. And I feel like that's why he's in the top 100. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's yeah. why. Like, and 
look, the guy's a sneaker king. I certainly acknowledge him as a sneaker king, and that's great, and it's cool, and he's a great guy off the court. But, like, and he brings great values to the Rockets. I don't want to minimize that. But when you have those influences, I think making a case for why this guy gets ranked. As you said, he's a role player on a good team. If P.J. Tucker played for the Phoenix Suns like he did when he played for the Phoenix Suns, he wouldn't be in no top 100. I mean, come on. We, know, we all know the answer to that. So, like, I don't who, where you play shouldn't decide what you're ranked. Every every NBA team in the league has, a, has role players, obviously. And a lot of them are very interchangeable. I would consider Mikael Bridges a very good role player in the NBA. If he were on the Lakers mm-hmm. or any top five team in the league, we would be like, this kid Mikael Bridges is going to be a superstar at some point. But because he plays in Phoenix, right? you know what? He actually was playing, really. He played for a pretty good team in the bubble, the way the Suns were playing. And people were like, oh, this is the kid Mikael Bridges. Look out for him. It's like, no, he's the same player he's been since he was at Villanova. But now that he's now that he's pretty good, his value is being shown. There are very few role players who are like that on bad teams, too, that pop out to you. Mikael Bridges seems like one of those guys. Uh, Draymond Green was like that early in his career when Golden State wasn't great. He was still uh, got somebody he had to pay attention to. And then when they got good, it was like, yo, this guy Draymond Green is a top 10 player in the league. And I was like, chill. He's not top 10. He's a very, he's a, very, he's a, he's a super role player. I think Marcus Smart is like that. I don't want to overrate Marcus Smart, but I also don't want to underrate him. I think a lot of people for a long time underrated Marcus Smart. Now, I don't think he's being overrated, but I think he's, I think now people are starting to see the value. You know, there are so many of those guys around the league, but there are also those guys that are your Trishan Thompsons, your Kenneth Farids, where when they're on good teams, we all love them. When they're on bad teams, we're like, this guy, this guy stinks. No, they're the same player. They're the same player. We see it with KCP now. But it's... it's, it's, yeah, it's about everybody to... hated him in Detroit. Everybody yeah. hated him on the Lakers before LeBron got there. Yeah. Yeah, they hated him when LeBron was there first year. So Yeah, they were a bad team. Right, so exactly. So, you know, circumstances can change certain things. Uh, I'm sure Jay Crowder was probably in the top 50, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say that um, I, I misspoke. Uh, I think DeRozan was in the top 100, but I think he was 82. Yeah, he was 80, yeah, 80. Yeah, still, be, still below T.J. Tucker, which, again, is just, yeah. I don't even know what to say. But, yeah, I, I just think the problem is that, like, these lists, um, they, they have some authority to some people. And I just think that, you know, there are plenty of basketball smart people who could make a list that's not offensive. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's going to have their opinions. Everybody's going to argue about stuff. But when you don't have that and you put out your, you know, your list and this is, you know, supposed to be the kind of worldwide leader that gets people upset. Um, let's get through these last two stories quickly. So, yep. um, Kyrie Irving skipped out on media day, said he wanted to create a, a mutually beneficial relationship with the media by not talking to them in person. Said handing a piece of paper to the Nets and saying, hey, read this, tell them this. Uh, we 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 still don't know what his situation is. I mean, we you know there, there was word that it was a media blackout. Then his agent people say, "Oh no, that's not true. He will talk to media, but he hasn't talked to the media at all still." And um, we don't know what exactly. Yes, and he got fined twenty five thousand dollars, and they basically said, "Sorry, a written statement does not cut it as your media availability." I gotta be. I'll, I'll actually say something, Kendall. You know. You, as you guys know, on this podcast, I defended Kyrie very uh, vociferously during the conversation that was happening amongst players 
about whether or not they should play during uh, in the Orlando Bowl. I thought that Kyrie had his name slandered. Uh, I thought there was an obvious smear campaign that was uh, being taking place over very real issues and very um, very serious topics, things not to be played with. And I thought it was uh, a disservice to the fans. I think it definitely, obviously, offensive to him. And I thought it was uh, just terrible what happened. I say that to say that I feel like I, I, I understand Kyrie a little bit, and I think that he deserves some some break because he gets nonstop, you know, attacks. He, at least he feels he gets nonstop attacks. He does get a lot of heat. But I think that my problem with Kyrie is I feel like he doesn't take any accountability for how what he does or says creates drama. His lack of awareness and his lack of, um, yeah, I guess that's it. Just lack of awareness. I think that's really more what it is. That how you come across and what you say is going to be discussed. And if it comes out looking sideways, it's going to make you look bad sometimes. And I feel like he, he's taking this kind of take my ball and go home thing. He clearly doesn't have respect for the media because he's saying we need to foster a mutually respectful relationship. That means that he doesn't think they respect both ways, which is maybe true. But I just feel like this is this is weak, man. Like the NBA, you know, it sucks that you got to talk to the media and do all this stuff. I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not saying I'd love to do it if I had to do it. But the media attention you guys get fosters fan engagement. In the end, all that leads to money in your pocket, Kyrie. And the idea that you think that you could just decide, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk to the media. I'm just gonna give written statements. I just think that, okay, well, how about we, you know, don't cover next time you drop your next sneaker because you don't want to talk to us. Like that to me, like, like that's what I think is annoying about this is that these guys want media attention. They just don't want the kind of media attention that they get. And sometimes I agree, it's over the top. Sometimes it's ridiculous. Sometimes it's clickbaity, and sometimes it's taken out of context. But with Kyrie, again, there's never really any, besides that one time he apologized to LeBron last year or whatever, two years ago, whenever that was, there very rarely in the public seems to be any acknowledgement of how, yeah, you know, how I handled this didn't make that go over the way I wanted. It never does. You know, to the point where when LeBron, you know, was told, you know, he said the thing about, you know, I, I told KD I never had a guy who I thought could make closing shots the way I can. You know, obviously that was a insulting comment to LeBron. LeBron, I think, you know, he talked about that in that podcast with a uh, interview with um, you know, Richard Jefferson. He said, "I wanted to get the full scratch trip before I even thought about anything." Because you know, he knows quotes can get taken out of context. And you know, and then he said he read the, co- the full context. He was like, "Damn," because he knew. And it's crazy because if you remember that time, Kendall Kyrie was saying, "Oh, they took my words out of context. Y'all making it about something out of nothing." Like, he, he went on this crazy defense when it was like nobody, like, LeBron read the whole transcript and took it like that. I read the whole transcript and watched the whole segment and talk it like that. Like, I, I just feel like sometimes he lives in his own world. There's a, it's, and it's just, it's just tired. His act is tired to me. I don't know what else to say. But yeah. I, I, totally, I totally understand him having issues with the media. I, I get it for what happened this summer. 
But this isn't the way, man. You can't, you're the leader of the team. You can't leave out your team and say, hey, you guys go and do all the interviews and do all the conversations that you guys speak. I'm not answering for anything I do this season. Come on. Enough. Yeah, I mean, look, I didn't like, look, I mean, whatever. It's irrelevant how I feel about Kyrie. Um, What I will say is that um, this, this media thing is not, it's not a good look. Um, you know, for a guy that obviously has had a lot of, done a lot of things, uh, you know, the last couple of years that haven't been a great look. Um, I don't know if he cares. That's what it comes down to. I don't think he cares how he looks in this, in this situation, um, which is totally his prerogative. Um, I don't think he cared much when, you know, he knew that he was leaving Boston, um, and, he decided, even though he had committed to staying long term, I don't think he cared if it was a bad look, and he left. Um, he knew how it was going to be received. Uh, it was almost a bit of irony, a bit of sarcasm in the whole the mutually beneficial move. Ali is being legitimate, um, but it, it is what it is. Uh, not much you could do about it. It's not much the Nets can do about it. It's not much that the media can do about it. You know, the NBA all they can do is find him, and I think they have to. You know, this just isn't, this can't be the standard unless the NBA doesn't care. But, you know, I think they do care about the, having media relations with players, player media relations. So uh, if they don't, if they don't want this to become a precedent, then they have to find them uh, each time. Each time. He does it. And it, if he yeah. wants to eat the money, then, then you know, it's his yeah, I mean, yeah, Marshawn Lynch ate the money. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. No. Yeah, he, he eat the money. And he's a, he, yeah, he it's has, well within his right. But it's, I mean, I hate when people are like, oh, you, who are you to say, he should. I mean, I, you just like you have an opinion. <laughs> I have an opinion. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of the self righteousness of people to just think that like, oh, he, he could do whatever he wants. He's a man. I'm like, yeah. So as a person myself, I can also see what he's doing and decide whether I agree or disagree. Just like I agreed with his position on the thing on on the not playing. I don't agree with how he's handling this. What I find funny from these folk, and I, again, I'll be honest, some of it is coming from media folk, and it, it's it's annoying, and I find it peculiar that that some of the same people who were very aggressive in attacking Kyrie and slandering Kyrie and joking on Kyrie about not playing in the Orlando bubble and getting guys not to play when it became about them maybe not seeing NBA basketball for the rest of the year or them not being able to cover NBA basketball for the rest of the year they were very aggressive with how they attacked him and now I'm seeing the same folk Come around saying, oh, oh, we should be okay. We should be fine with Kyrie not talking to the media. It's like, wait a minute. You guys were were okay with slandering Kyrie when it came to him taking acts of racial injustice and police brutality seriously to the point where he thought maybe people shouldn't be playing and he was voicing that opinion? Y'all did everything you could to, to just throw him through the ringer. And now when it's just about him talking to the media for 10 minutes... It's, oh, we, we should respect that? Why didn't y'all have any respect for his opinion three months ago, four months ago? That looks... Well, like, you know, they look funny They look funny in the lights to me, Kendall. I that, like looks, that looks suspect. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a fan of what he was saying back then. Um, my thing but, is, that's okay. If you can, if you don't... My thing is the consist, inconsistency. And why is that inconsistency there? It's... You can't talk about his behavior... Over something that was serious 
but it did affect you in a way because you didn't get your NBA basketball and therefore you attacked him. But with this, there's defense. I don't understand that. I, I, I truly don't understand that. Someone needs to explain that to me. Because if that, if that was, if you thought that was him acting out and, 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 and trying to be the disruptor, quote, well, I think unquote, self- then I think what's self- this? I mean, I think the word is selfishness. I think Kyrie's, what Kyrie was talking about before was something that was going to impact not only himself, but impact a lot of people. And what Kyrie's talking about now is only pertaining to him. So well, those, it, 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 it affects his team. Because not his team has to deal well, with this no, I as, mean, a, as a problem. I, not here. necessarily it's selfish for Kyrie. I'm saying it's selfish from those people in the media that were that now. Right, right. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. This doesn't affect me. Kyrie doesn't talk. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, if I'm if I'm like a talking head on TV, like I don't care. You know. I mean, if right. ideally I would like Kyrie to maybe say some stuff to have stuff to talk about or whatever. But if he doesn't, like this isn't this isn't the end of the world. You know, if. The, the lead didn't play, then I wouldn't be getting a check. You know, and to me, I hope the NBA finds him every time. Every time he don't show up, just keep, keep the money. <clears throat> yeah, he and he and look, Kyrie was the one Makes, who said back then, back then, and I didn't like it, but he said it back then that I'm the only one in the league that's I'm one of the only guys making real money anyway. Right, exactly. So I don't need to play. So yeah, if you don't need to play, then yeah, you, yeah, you don't need to talk to the media. All right, then eat the spread. However much, yeah, however much it comes out to three million, four million, however much this comes out to in the end of the season. That Nike contract, you got yeah. the Uncle Drew money, you got, you know, your again your signature shoe, you got the Wheaties box, you'll be fine. Yeah, you don't need the media money. You can, yeah, you, and my, that's my thing too. He can do this, but he's gotta get fined. I <laughs> mean, that's the thing. My thing is, I, I, my 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 disagreement with this is it it's not as deep as like. I mean, yeah, I think he should he should talk to the media. I think for his teammates, I think that it is leaving them it's not out dry. Team, from the team's perspective. No, yeah, it's terrible. Nash is not going to have to answer for everything that Kyrie does. The last time we heard this guy talk, he said Nash wasn't the coach. Yeah. The last time we heard him speak, he said, I could be the coach tomorrow. Josh Vaughn <laughs> could be the coach. <laughs> Josh Vaughn could be the coach. So, so, and, and so now, that that's the last time we've heard from him. And now that rookie coach has to deal with this. So, and like you said, the last time we saw this was Marshawn Lynch, but Marshawn Lynch wasn't the quarterback. Exactly, it was Russell Wilson. Kyrie is essentially supposed to be the quarterback of this team, and he's just like, I'm not going to talk. You know, we lose games, I don't care. You know, if I have a, if if cause I'm not I'm not taking responsibility for that. It's, it's it. I mean, it's 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 bizarre. It's bizarre. Um, but not surprising. It's Kyrie being Kyrie. Uh, last thing on this, Kendall, uh, before we get out of here real quickly, Coach K, after uh, taking a, a, quite a a thumping Duke took la- a couple nights ago from um, Illinois at Cameron Indoor Stadium, he is now raising questions about whether or not they should continue playing for the time being. Uh, Duke is pulling all of its non-conference games uh, from its schedule. It's only going to play... Uh, you know, conference games now. So that means the Gardner Webb game, the you know postponed Elon and Charleston Southern games won't be played. Next time we'll see them is uh, December sixteenth, which isn't that long from now uh, from Notre Dame. But then they won't play again until the 29th against Pittsburgh. And you know, he 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 said that I I think that you know they we gotta start considering um, what we should do given uh, what's happening now. Some people are looking at this saying, hmm, 
Well, do, you know, Coach K, who just a couple months ago said that under no circumstances should could they could afford to not have an NCAA tournament this year, given the money and revenue that was lost by not having it last year. Now it's saying let's postpone basketball to further notice. It is raising some eyebrows considering uh, why he would change that stance. And Nate Oates from Alabama was not afraid to question Coach K's uh, theories and, and his, his thinking on this by saying, uh, he said, quote, we should 100% be playing college basketball, which is another conversation. But um, he added, do you think if Coach K had, hadn't lost his two non-conference games at home, he would still be saying that? I'll answer that for you, EJ. Yeah, let's answer that, Kendall. No, he wouldn't be saying that. If Coach K and his his Duke Blue Devils had destroyed Michigan State during the Champions Classic, and if they had then went to go on and destroy Illinois during the ACC Big Ten Challenge, then he would have said nothing about shutting down a season. I guarantee you, he would have said nothing. And maybe that's me projecting, and I don't know. We don't know what the actual, how things would have played out. Maybe I'm not giving Coach K enough credit, but... I mean, EJ, you know Coach K even more than I do. I'm not saying you know him, but you know you've known his. Uh, you've been, you've been, you've been uh, hip to his act for a while yeah. now. Yeah. You know, before even me. Uh, that just it strikes me as something Coach K would do, and it, you know, so I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. Not to say I don't like Coach K because I have no issues with him, uh, but this is a comment that I, I I just can't jive with. You know, we can't be. We can't be playing. Uh, what I don't like is us playing politics with the pandemic, in in any respect. Whether it's you know Dabo Sweeney saying I don't care if fans are storming the field is a big win, or you know Dabo Sweeney saying Florida State is scared to play us, or they're using the pandemic as an excuse, or if it's Coach K saying we shouldn't play after his team gets blown out by Illinois. It's all politics and has nothing to do with science. If if you're gonna make a determination or a decision, let it be 100% based off science. And to me, it just feels disingenuous. And again, I'm willing to listen to you say we shouldn't be playing college basketball. But I don't want to hear it from the guy whose team just got shellacked at home by a team that, in theory, has less talent. Or, although you can argue maybe they do have more talent, but that's a whole other basketball question. But regardless, I don't hear it from that guy. Yeah, I'll answer your question. Illinois has more basketball talent than Duke. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Only who watched anybody who watched the game saw that. He did, he did with the hot take. Okay, I don't think that hot. Yeah, See that less, less points didn't have as much talent as the other team. Man, what's going on, Wendell Moore? Man, what happened to him? Uh, you you said you said it off air. I mean, they just look like a mishmash of players. They don't look like they. The, none of that roster makes any sense. So he looks yeah. like he's lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers. He's shooting like 26% from the field. Yeah, he looks lost. A lot of like, lost. I really feel bad for the kid. I don't know what's going on with him. I'm like, <laughs> it, it, which is also kind of That's wild. a great vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I feel bad for the kid. Like, Jesus. Um, you one of your best players. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't want to hear from that guy. If I heard it from, uh, if, if Fran McCaffrey said this or Mark Few said this, right. then I would feel a little bit more like, wow, the coach who's got the best team in the country said that his team's playing the best basketball in the country. He said, I don't even know if he should be playing games. I'd be more willing to listen. But I don't want to hear from the I don't want to hear from Coach Cal. I don't hear from I don't want to hear from Coach K. I probably don't even want to hear from Bill Self, even though his team got a big win this year. This week yeah, against Craig. Yeah, so, That's a very good I, one. 
those teams that feel like they're not going to win it, it's like Coach O and Bruce Pearl. So both LSU and Auburn, obviously we talked about the Auburn thing. That was what we yeah. talked about, but that was weeks ago. They put a self-imposed sanction. Then LSU this week, self-imposed bowl, bowl ban. I'm like, oh, all right, congrats, Coach O. You're 3-5. You're 3-5, three, you're not going to be playing one of the 15 bowls that's even played this year. You know, both these bowls aren't playing. So, and then he's, they, they asked him why he did and he was like, yeah, it just felt like this was the, the right year to do it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, you, at least you being honest about that. <laughs> yeah, if I'm at the I'm like, all right, that means nothing, man. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? So, what, how do you feel about this, Um, Look, man, I feel like, here's what I'll say. Is Coach K right that they should really reconsider whether or not they should be playing these games? 100%. Uh, his quote was, um, I just feel like that, you know, for the safety, the mental, and physical health of the staff, we need to reassess uh, where we're at. People are saying that the next six weeks are going to be the worst. To me, it's already pretty bad. And on the other side of it, there are vaccines that are coming out. By the end of uh, the month, uh, $20 million will be given by the end of January. Or in February, another hundred. Should we should we not reassess that and see what would be best? So he's right about that. He is right. I mean, look. I mean, you know, shout out to Slick Rick out in Iona. Um, he had a good win, by the way. I think would he beat Hofstra <laughs> a couple days ago? Um, but yeah, he he said he was saying for weeks. He was saying, "Yo, we need to just chill. Just delay the season. We'll have May Madness. It'll be fine." He was saying this forever. And maybe it was because he's Rick Pitino and, like, he's been through his transgressions. There's nobody wants to listen to him. Also, they want to try to collect his money, let's be honest. So they, they, they're really ignoring him. But to me, like, he's been making very common sense about how this should go. Yes, vaccines are coming out. I'm not now, no, the college athletes and people, they should not be skipping the line to get, get the vaccine. But people being vaccinated, more people vaccinated means that the virus, in theory, could be going down and there may be less transmission and maybe safer for people to be out. So... It makes more sense to wait until then to then continue the season. Right now, it's really bad. I mean, again, there's, already, there's been dozens of games that have been canceled or postponed at this point. The problem <laughs> comes with Coach K. And it, it he, you know, you said that. I, I've somehow I pegged him a little bit for some of this same kind of uh, behavior where it's just like holier than thou, but there's a lot of. Um, contradictory, it kind of a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, flack of like virtue, man. He just, yeah, like, and then to me, it just, it just, and he said, you know, I know people will say because I'm losing, it's like, then don't say it. You don't have to. I mean, I know I did say he, he has a big voice and maybe he felt like he really did need to say it, but I just, I just think that this looks bad. He may have decent intentions, but it looks bad. It looks, you just got shellacked by a team that looks like they're a legitimate team for the final four you came into the season with final four aspirations y'all don't look i told you Kendall, they don't look like a second weekend team and then i had someone a shout out to chris williamson from sny he tweeted me yo do they look like a first weekend team and i was like i'm not telling you for sure this duke team's making the tournament i'm not i'm not gonna say that they definitely won't i'm not going accurate but am i gonna say oh they definitely gonna make the tournament no that would be like when, last year when Carolina looked suspect. And I said, they like I, just like Carolina didn't, look like, didn't really look like a tournament team, I don't know. This Duke team if something happened to Derek Johnson the same way something happened to Cole Anthony, this team, Duke team's not, not playing in the tournament. I would agree with that. So, so to me, that's the problem is he does this all the time when, th- he's, not, when he's losing. 
uh, they, he's losing. Oh, the guy on the other team shouldn't be showboating. It's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? You know, like, or, you know, yeah. you know, the fans shouldn't be saying that to the other team, even though I'm having my Zion thrown off the backboard and we're windmilling on the guy that I coached against. Like, yo, yeah. like, it, stop. Like, if you really want to have um, consistency with some of this virtue, then have it. I'm cool if that's who you are. But sometimes it just seems like there's this double talk and, and, and do as I say, not as I do feel. And when you have that reputation, I think more people are catching on because a lot of people are kind of saying, this don't look right. Like, I think people are starting to get catch on to this act where maybe even if this was sincere, it does it just looks bad. It looks like you've been losing and now you're trying to get out of it. And, you know, I, t- I tweeted you, you know, people thought about way back in the day when he had Pete Gardette, you know, when he was sick or whatever he was dealing yeah. with. You know, he's like, I'm out. I can't coach the rest of the season. It's been too much. This guy is going to take these L's. <laughs> he finished season four and 13. That was a terrible due team. Is the only really terrible due team in this past, you know, 30 years that Coach K's had. It's a remarkable run that he's had. And people go back to that and say, look, this guy is the same guy. <laughs> Every time it don't look stuff don't look good, he's trying to get out somehow. Like, you know, so I don't know. That's just me. You know, Duke looked incredulous during that game. It looked like they really didn't have any answers. And for a team and the coach that doesn't have any answers, I don't want to hear your answer being stop playing. I I just don't. And I am super safety. They should not be playing. And I I agree with that sentiment. They should stop right now. But you can't be the guy. You know, again, I want to hear this from few. I want to hear this from uh, Scott Drew. And and look, I'm going to call a spade a spade. I don't like the way Mark Few has handled what's going on with Gonzaga. They've had cases. They've had guys playing. They've played games, even though they had cases. I don't think they've handled this well. Now they had to shut down. Right. So, I, and I think they're pushing through because they know nobody's yep. at Baylor can see them. So, yeah. and that's well, not good let's, either. Let's talk, like, about like, Iowa, let's talk about Iowa. Let's talk about Iowa. Let's be respectful. Oh, okay. Well, well, Iowa, we guys worry about too. Okay. Either way, <laughs> very few teams can see them. And now he's pushing through games. And I'm like, and then they got to stop. And that's and then they, they you know a game against Baylor had to be postponed. And like so that's not good either. I'm not, you know, I'm not being, you know, I don't want to be like I'm all, I'm, I'm just killing coach. Hey, I think Few is not handled this well at all. I didn't I definitely didn't like how he handled Jalen Suggs' ankle injury that's outside of COVID. So so yeah, I mean, I think we've seen coaches in a very very unorthodox situation handling this. Not all of them are coming out great. Guys with great reputations, guys with the great um, you know, pedigrees. This is a tough situation to handle. I'm not saying it's easy, yep. but I think we're seeing some of the cracks in some of these guys' uh, dispositions because of uh, of the the real serious, dangerous situation that we're in. But I think that's a good place to wrap today's show. So I want to thank you guys for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Once again, you can catch all of our podcasts on New Generation Podcast Network. That's on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We have Imperial Broadcast talking about Star Wars. We have um, Hero Talk, New Generation Hero Talk talking about superheroes. You're going to want to catch those shows because there was a massive Disney drop during their Investor Day. Plenty of Marvel stuff, plenty of Star Wars stuff. So we're going to have some huge shows coming up. So make sure you guys stay locked in to check that stuff out if you love superheroes and you love Star Wars. Once again, New Generation Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're on YouTube, New Generation Media. We're on social media, uh, New Generation uh, Pod on Twitter, 
New Generation Podcasts on Instagram, and we're on Facebook, New Generation Media. You can find Kendall on Twitter, at New Gen Ken. You can find me on Twitter, at EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, at Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.